Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this webinar. Um, my name is Jen Gregory with Retail Strategies, and we're really happy to be able to partner with the Greater Starkville Development Partnership to bring you this webinar um, on omni-channel retail strategies. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. I know that you have busy schedules and you have stores to run. Um, so we will be sure and make good use of your time. This will be wrapped up in under an hour um, and would really love for you guys to, as you have questions, um, to share those with us. So you'll see over on the right hand control panel on your screen that there's a question box. If you have questions at any point, or if there's something that you just want to say, um, feel free to enter it in that box. And at the end of the presentation or the webinar, um, we'll get back to that and hopefully be able to answer those questions and make sure that you got everything out of this that you intended. Um, I think I know most of you guys, but just in case, my name is Jen Gregory and I'm the president of Downtown Strategies for our company, Retail Strategies. Um, Retail Strategies is a company, a consulting firm out of Birmingham, Alabama, but we have offices here in Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, we have one in Atlanta, Georgia, Fort Worth, Texas, Seattle, Washington, and Foley, Alabama. So we're definitely a national firm. We have about 33 people on our team. And we work with municipalities really across the country, from California to Florida, Virginia, um, everywhere in between. We have about 200 municipal partners right now, and that ranges from national retail recruitment to downtown revitalization. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about what we do um, later in the webinar. So today, what we're gonna be discussing is omni-channel retail, and also, you know, what has happened to retail since COVID? And, and obviously we're still in the midst of that. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about who we are as a company with retail strategies. Um, we're gonna talk about national retail versus local retail, because I think just with my background in community development, certainly all of you are very involved in the partnership and in the community. I think that's something that probably is discussed a lot. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll get into omnichannel retail, define that, look at some stats and kind of uncover, is there a retail apocalypse? What's happened in retail since COVID-19? And then talk about implementing an omni-channel strategy in your business. Um, so as I mentioned, our company retail strategies covers really everything from national retail recruitment to retail education to downtown revitalization. Um, of course, we were formed as a national retail recruitment firm. And so um, with our 30 plus uh, team members that we have at Retail Strategies, the majority are certified real estate developers and real estate agents. We have commercial brokers on our team, but we also have myself with a background in downtown revitalization. We have an architect, um, we have a construction project manager and really everything in between. In terms of retail recruitment, our primary focus there is to work with municipalities across the country to help them attract national retail to their commercial corridors. And we'll talk a little bit about why that's important and we'll also recognize why local businesses are, in my opinion, even more important. 
Um, Startville is a retail recruitment partner of Retail Strategies, and our company's been around for about seven years. Startville's been a retail partner for about six years, if I'm remembering right. Um, so there's a long relationship there, and there's been a lot of success there in terms of bringing national retail to the community, Academy Sports, Walmart Neighborhood Market, PetSense, um, worked very closely with, uh, excuse me, with Starbucks, um, also a lot of projects in the works. Um, One Lease has recently been signed, a new full service restaurant, and a lot are being negotiated right now. Um, so a lot of other businesses that, that are part of that portfolio, but what's really important to note about that um, is that it really takes a whole partnership and a whole effort to bring national retail to a community. It's an 18 to 24 month process. And it takes everyone from the national brand and the tenant rep. It takes our company reaching out, putting Startful in front of them. And then it takes people on the ground like Scott Farmer, who's a wonderful um, commercial real estate broker that we work very closely with and also officials at the partnership and at the city Startful. We also have a program called Retail Academy which basically brings city staff uh, pre-COVID, it brought them to our office in Birmingham, and it would be um, a one and a half day crash course on how retail recruitment works. And it also included a lot of data and analytics about that specific community. Since COVID, we've put that program online. We actually just rolled it out yesterday to about 45 communities in Tennessee. Um, so that's something that is new and that hopefully some of the Startball staff can go through at some point. And then the last part of our company is the newest, um, and that's Downtown Strategies. And that's um, the line of our company that I head up. We work um, in communities literally from California to Florida. We have about 25 downtown partners that we're working with now where we put together strategic visions and strategic plans for those communities and also help them with implementation of those strategic recommendations. So um, wanted to go through that to let you know that we really are a full service community development firm. And um, since I'm here in Startville, an office out of Startville, um, really pleased to be able to, to do this with you guys today. So let's talk a little bit about national retail versus local retail. It's definitely something that I know um, just from my time in community development, it's always top of mind. And especially groups that are really focused on downtown revitalization and boards like that, chamber boards, a lot of times really get uncomfortable with, um, with national retail because they think it takes jobs away from us, it takes money away from our local businesses. But here's the reality, and this is why national retail is important to communities and especially city leaders. And you can see on this slide that this is really our retail recruitment ladder. When you look over here on the left and you see these brands, this next column on the right shows what those brands generate per year in revenue, what that translates into as far as jobs, and then what that means to the local tax coffers in that community. So here in Startville, you know, we have a Walmart, of course, we have an Academy Sports, a Lowe's, a Kroger. Um, you know, these are generating 20, 40 million dollars in sales a year. They create anywhere from 50 to 300 jobs for the community. And they bring to the city of Startville, you know, between 800,000 and 1.6 million dollars in revenue a year. So while we obviously want to focus on 
supporting local businesses, a community has to have that type of tax revenue in order to reinvest into the downtown or the commercial corridors in order to reinvest in police protection and infrastructure. We all know that our ad valorem taxes don't cover the cost of providing services to citizens. So it's vital that these businesses and also industry locate in communities for this tax revenue purposes. On this slide, you can see what an average unit does for these specific brands. So the Chick-fil-A that we have likely does around $4 million in sales a year. So think about what that generates in terms of jobs and also for the community sales tax revenue. So these are all really important to cities and it's why our company exists. However, you know, when we look at retail jobs, full-time jobs in particular, we know that retail is bringing in more money to employees than non-retail jobs. So it's very important in the marketplace. It's very important for our economy, but this is why somebody remembers a community. And this is why someone visits a community. This is why people shop locally in brick and mortar stores, in our downtowns and in our shopping centers. This is why people choose to live in Starkville, in a college town. And this is why they keep coming back over and over again. It's not for that Chick-fil-A, it's not for that Walmart, it's not even for the Target that everybody wants that we'll probably never get, um, but it's for experiences like this. And so our approach at Retail Strategies and really mine from my community development background is that you have to have both. Um, so again, I'd encourage you guys to drop your questions or comments in the question box if you have any. Um, but this is definitely something that I, I really believe strongly in, is that in order for a community to achieve all the things that we want it to in terms of quality of life and parks, things to do downtown that's vital and vibrant, and also have the access to goods and services that, you know, in reality, our citizens expect, we have to have both national retail and local retail. So while our firm is committed to bringing national retail that fits the market and that creates jobs, we're also just as committed to focusing on business development, business retention, and downtown revitalization. So that's why we're doing this webinar today. Um, and again, really appreciate you guys joining us for this. So let's talk about omnichannel retail. First, we're gonna define it and then we're gonna look at some trends. You can see that there are four types of retail relationships that are described in this model. The first is monochannel, and that's what you know our original mom and pop stores really existed to provide. They had a brick and mortar store. They were providing messaging and goods to their customer, period. As commerce has evolved, multi-channel commerce and retail started to evolve. And really that is where the brick and mortar and the social media and the online store is pushing out information to the customer. A lot of mom and pop stores or locally owned stores still exist this way. In fact, stores in Starkville exist in all four of these ways. And you can probably think of stores that you visit, I certainly can, that fall into these categories. Um, you've got you know, the mono channel that is just there to have the brick and mortar, no social media presence. They're just, they open their doors and, and that's what they do. The multi-channel, they're dabbling a little bit in social media, they're pushing information. So their strategy is just to get information out to the customer. Cross-channel retailing is really where you have these multiple channels, 
but rather than just pushing it to the customer, they're all interacting a little bit. But you can see that the customer is not really interacting with all the different channels. So you've got the brick and mortar, you've got the social media, you've got your online store, and they sort of cross-reference. They'll push each other from platform to platform, but all of that information is still being pushed to the customer. And then you have omni-channel retail, which is the most ideal. It's also the most unknown because it's the newest. Nobody's figured it out perfectly, not even the top retailers that we can think of. Um, but this is what we all really strive to provide. And that is an environment where the customer is in the center and all of these types of information are being pushed at the customer. And the customer, though, is pushing information back to that those channels. So really, it's a customer-oriented um, style of retail where the customer tells you what they want and based on their behavior and their data. And these platforms respond to that um, by giving them exactly what they want. So we'll dive into that more in a little bit, but this is what we mean with omni-channel retail. So as omni-channel in a definition, it's a cross-channel content strategy that organizations use to improve the user experience and drive better relationships with their audience across points of contact. So rather than working in parallel, these communication channels and their supporting resources are designed and orchestrated to cooperate. So remember from this model, consumers in the center and all of these channels work together. It's a modern approach to commerce that focuses on designing a cohesive user experience for customers at every touch point. And we're gonna get back to that. Every touch point is different, but in every touch point, the consumer is at the center. And so the purpose is to keep consumers moving around within the brand ecosystem with each channel working in harmony to nurture more sales and engagement. So think of this whole kind of square as an ecosystem for your brand. And so one thing as we go through this that I'd really like to encourage all of you, all of you have tremendous stores in Starkville that are different, that have completely different um, styles. You have completely different consumer groups. And so this is something that is a, is a definite benefit for our community. Um, and so right now, actually, I'm reading a question and thank you all for dropping these questions. We'll get back to these, but this is a great, a great question. First is how do you reach local retail and how can we identify new um, franchise location. So we will definitely get to all of that. Great questions. If you guys have things that you're hoping to learn throughout this webinar, go ahead and drop it in so I can be sure to cover that. Thank you guys for that. Um, but want to remind you that you're all different. You all have your own unique perspectives. You all have your unique clientele. And I would really encourage you to embrace that, first of all. And second of all, that any brand that you follow, whether it's Target, whether it's Lululemon, whether it's REI Outdoors, whatever it may be, whether it's Panera Bread, take the experience that you have with that brand, figure out what you love about it, what makes you loyal to that national brand, and then implement that into your own store. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. But first, I want to talk about this notion of a retail apocalypse. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but it's something that obviously in our business, we get asked a lot. Well, isn't retail dying? 
And especially since COVID, we see national stores closing, shuttering over and over again. Boy, this is a tough time to be in retail. And we're going to dissect that a little bit. Um, but what I would present to you is that retail is not dying. There is no retail apocalypse. Um, those national brands that we've seen file for bankruptcy like J. Crew, and gosh, there have been so many, I can't even remember. Um, we're seeing so many, one after another, that are filing for bankruptcy, closing their stores, even in Starkville, JCPenney, Goodies, Gordman. Um, Tuesday morning is closing a lot of stores. They haven't said that they're closing the Startable store, although the merchandise is slim lately. So all of these stores are, are closing. Well, why? First, in our professional opinion, we truly believe that it's because these businesses were too, they were carrying too much debt. They were not well capitalized enough. They barely survived the economic recession in 08. They accumulated a ton of debt and they, COVID then being closed for a you know, multitude of months nationwide didn't allow them to really attain the sales that they needed to stay afloat. So we're seeing expansions across the board. We're seeing fitness users expand. We're seeing um, you know, restaurants expand. And then we're seeing some that struggle mightily. So we're gonna look at that a little bit. Um, but we don't think retail is dying. We think it's changing. And we think it's been changing for a long time. And those brands that have been able to adapt to those changes and change their offerings, their style, and their business model have been the ones that have succeeded. So when you think about Steers, you know, they used to be the king of retail. Um, and the way that they provided sort of, you know, options to their clientele outside of the brick and mortar was through the Sears catalog. You could buy a house from a Sears catalog. You know, you could buy anything, but they never adapted beyond that. And so when the internet really became a thing, and certainly Amazon had a huge place in retail, those businesses like Sears never adapted. And so they weren't able to hang on. Um, you know, when you think about Amazon, think about how just that business has adapted. You know, they've now acquired Whole Foods. You can use your Prime discount in a Whole Foods store. You can even um, get your packages delivered by a drone. You can return your Amazon goods in a Kohl's store. So they're making partnerships. They're constantly adapting. They're responding to their consumers. So that's really what this is all about today. When we think about, you know, a Radio Shack, I used to have a slide that had an advertisement for Radio Shack from the 90s, and they were advertising, you know, photographs of literally all of these, these items over on the right side of this slide. You know, you could buy GPS navigation system, you could buy a telephone, you could buy a scanner, a digital camera, you know, camcorder, all of these things. But as technology has evolved, we don't need any of those things. I mean, we literally don't need to go to the bank. We don't need to leave our house. Um, unfortunately, I was exposed to COVID when I was on a private plane a couple weeks ago. And so I have been home quarantining for now in my second week. It's been miserable, but I've not left my house. And the reason I haven't had to is because of businesses that have adapted to my needs. I can get my groceries delivered to my door without contact from Kroger. You know, I can order my prescriptions online. Um, I can do all of the things I need to do to continue to support my family via my phone. 
And so that is because of brands that have responded to the consumer needs. So now I have a question, and um, because this is not completely interactive, I'm going to have to, you guys just answer it in your mind. Um, but the question is, what percentage of retail sales nationally do you think is made online? You know, when we ask this in person, a lot of times we'll have people say 50%, 40%. And actually, I think the answer will surprise you. It's only 11%. And that is a current number. Um, that's as of Q1 of this year, that only 11% of overall retail sales are conducted online. So while that number is growing, and we'll look at what it's going to grow to in just a second, it's still a fraction of the overall sales. So brick and mortar still has a huge place in the retail marketplace. However, it's all about creating an omni-channel strategy and responding to consumer needs. Here's a great example of a store. Obviously, they had a lot of debt, Toys R Us, but they failed to adapt to the changing marketplace. You know, you can get any toy you want pretty much on Amazon. However, sometimes it can be complicated because those toys, and I've got two kids, so I'm buying things like that. They're coming from China. You have to check, is the shipping, is it going to get here in time? I would have much rather been loyal to a company like Toys R Us if they could have provided that experience that I'm looking for. Fast shipping, great selection, great customer service, but they weren't. And so unfortunately they closed. These are examples though of stores that have invested literally billions of dollars so that small businesses don't have to in figuring out what consumers want and then modeling their businesses after it. So my biggest suggestion to you guys is to watch what these national brands do. They've invested truly billions of dollars into trying to figure out what consumers want and they're delivering it. You can deliver it on a smaller scale um, just by watching what they do. So for example, Walmart pickup, buy online pickup in store is growing like crazy. Um, for you guys that stick through this webinar, I'm going to email you a number of resources after this. Um, so this slot, this, this webinar will be available um, in a recording, so you'll get that as well. But I have a number of other things that I'm going to send you um, that I think will be interesting. And one of them is a Black Friday infographic that we put together last year. And basically what it showed was that Black Friday spending um, and holiday spending in general was up more than ever. It was at an absolute all-time high. But where the huge growth was, was buy online, pick up in store. There was still a ton of people that loved the thrill and were out shopping, but there was massive growth in people sitting at home, shopping the sales, buying things online so that they didn't miss that discount and then picking it up later. So even you guys with your local stores, obviously you know your Black Friday audience is limited. So one of the questions was, how do I, how do I advertise and how do I do all of this to a local crowd? Well, I would encourage you not necessarily to think of your crowd as completely local. With the partnership doing what it does with tourism development, and I think you guys still do this, I'm not sure, but Black Friday Bonanza, for example, um, is an event that I know has been successful in the past and I know that the partnership, I think, is still doing that. Who knows what's gonna happen with football this year? But think about your, your store as more than just local. And I know that many of you ship out to well beyond Starkville. 
but start focusing now on developing a social media following. That's the easiest way to first introduce people outside of this area to your brand. We have in Startville such a huge benefit with, with tourism, with athletics. So anything that you can do to put your brand out there during athletic weekends um, is a win. And that's why there's a, these events um, like, you know, Pumpkin Palooza and even Get Swept Up, you know, events like this that really get the word out to a larger crowd are so important because people are in town, they're looking. Um, and so that's the opportunity for you to showcase your brand, stay open late. I know it's tough um, and I know it's expensive to hire staff, but keep your doors open late, open up early, really adapt to the consumers and to when they're in town to showcase your brand. And then when you're doing your Black Friday sales and promotions, really focus on how can you implement a buy online pickup in store or, you know, a buy online and ship out. Starbucks is a great example also of omni-channel retail, but more so how they've responded to consumers, and that's with their app. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of you go get an app. To me, apps can be really cumbersome sometimes, especially on a local level. But what they've done is they've put their reward system in such a way where it's easy for the customer. I love going to local culture, um, and I take my kids there all the time. I never can find my loyalty card. Um, and I wish I could, I would get so much free ice cream, but I don't, I, I typically just walk in the store with my phone. It has the little wallet um, on the back of my phone that has my debit card and that's all I need. So how can you foster customer loyalty electronically? If it's not through an app, can it be through a system that is so easy that all the consumer has to do is walk in your store, tell them your phone number or whatever to receive those benefits, making it easy. The great thing about loyalty programs when they are built in to a point of sale system is that you get to track your consumer behavior. What is selling the most in your store and who's buying it? You know, can your consumer fill out a profile and get an extra 20% off a one-time purchase? And in order to get that discount, they have to fill out a full profile, which puts them in an age range, a gender, a location. If you can get that type of information from your customer at the beginning and then track them, that's hugely valuable, especially as you're developing an omnichannel retail strategy. So that's where Starbucks comes in. And then this picture on the bottom right is Chipotle. They are experimenting with what they're calling a Chipotle Lane, L-A-N-E. It's all in response to COVID. And what they're doing is every single new store that they build it has to have either a walk-up window or a pickup lane, depending on their geographic location. If they're in an urban environment, it has to have a walk-up window so that you can order online via the app and walk up and pick up. One thing about COVID that is here to stay is this notion of convenience. COVID has forced multiple generations. I'm thinking of my grandmother, who's 89 years old, who has always been so hesitant to do things like this, buy online, pick up in store, order online. She thinks they're gonna steal her information or whatever, but she's had to do this because of COVID. So now we're starting to see multiple generations become much more comfortable with using their phones and the internet to do make their transactions. And so I know that many of you, you know, some of you 
um, your primary customer group is college students. Some of you, it's older ladies. Um, you now have a real opportunity to kind of jump into this world because of COVID, but it's all about convenience. Additionally, as we talk about how COVID has affected um, retail, and we'll get into that in just a second, it's important to note that the United States is extremely over-retailed. And so that might seem kind of counterintuitive to what we do as a company. The best thing that we can do in terms of national retail is to backfill a vacancy. You know, yes, building from the ground up is, is, is great sometimes, but it's very expensive for customer or for companies. It's a huge risk. And we know that we're already very over-retailed. Now, most of our rural communities are not over-retailed. What where we are extremely over-retailed is where we have shopping malls, which, you know, obviously, as we can all imagine, are struggling mightily in these days. Um, and so the, these square footage numbers are per capita. In the United States, we have 23.6 square feet of retail per capita in our country, whereas some of our counterparts like Australia and the UK have much, much less. So what COVID has done, and if there's any silver lining, and I know some of you are thinking, are you kidding me? This has been horrible for my business or for my income. But the silver lining is that it's weeding out the week. And so all of these stores um, that have been hanging on since the recession that really aren't adding a ton of value to communities and to consumers are not able to hang on. So it's weeding those out. It's making more space for entrepreneurs. There's going to be far less new construction happening and much more infill. I think some of us can even see this on a local level. Stores that probably have been hanging on by a thread for a while are now closing. Um, although that's not to say that stores that are closing, you know, didn't have great business models. Restaurants, especially, um, you know, we want them to hang on, and, and obviously a lot of them are struggling. But it's important to know that we are over retail. So, how has COVID nineteen affected retail? Well, certainly many of you can relate to this on a small business scale. It's been very, very difficult. The first element there that I'll point out, this is a survey from Main Street America, which at Downtown Strategies, we are a partner of theirs. Um, and in a national survey, what Main Street America found was that 63% of small businesses did not have an online sales component before COVID. So what that meant was that during mandatory closures, they had virtually no ability to reach their customers and no platform to fulfill orders. Very, very, very difficult. Um, and so we know that in order to reach customers during shutdowns, which may happen again, um, there's got to be this element of an online presence. I'm going to breeze through these slides um, because there's a lot of information here. Um, but what this slide is showing is retail sales before COVID. So you can see over on the right, um, these blue bars show that in December all the way to February of 2020, that retail sales were at an all-time high. So again, keeping in mind, 11% of retail sales online, the rest is in the brick and mortar retail sales at an all-time high. People are spending money. How can we capture that? Also important to note, especially looking at some of your businesses that fall into these categories, that the majority of permanent closures due to COVID have been in restaurant and shopping and retail. 
Um, so definitely a tough time. Um, however, in June, we did see some sharp rises and we'll look at this categorically. This is auto and gas sales month over month. So we did see that huge declines as everybody was in quarantine, of course. And then in June, those categories started or those expenditures started rising up again. And we've even seen that in our sales tax revenue here in the city of Starkville. Um, definitely that doesn't mean that all of you have seen these same rises, um, but what it means is that the economy is responding. This is showing that sales, retail sales are almost back to pre-COVID levels. So you can see this little bullseye over here are the most recent numbers we have. And you can see that it's almost back up to where we were. Um, huge decline, obviously, but things are getting back on track. This is categorically retail sales versus February. So you can see that kind of this baseline um, that everything's pretty much on track the same um, for the, the totality of 2019. And then in February, you can see where everything just goes crazy. And clothing is this yellow category, obviously took the biggest hit followed by food service and drinking places, so restaurants and bars, of course, whereas this orange um, bar shows food and beverage stores. So groceries saw huge gains, hardware stores, huge gains, um, even some sporting goods. They struggled in the beginning and now are starting to see huge gains again. So this is the month over month retail sales rise in June. We did say, see a 7.5% increase, which is massive. And you can see the majority of increases were in clothing and accessories. Thank goodness, because obviously we saw the biggest decline. We're still seeing food and beverage stores um, somewhat struggle. So taking a look now, this is from the International Council of Shopping Centers, which we are a partner of theirs and we work extremely closely with them. Um, you can see that these purple bars or, or little parts of the pie chart are in-store purchases versus the green, which is online purchases. So find what category you're in, whether it's apparel, cosmetics, um, large format stores, discount stores, whatever it may be. And you can see that um, by and large, retail sales make up the majority in the brick and mortar element. And despite online sales projected growth, which by 2021, we are projecting the percentage of online sales to go up to 25%, which is big. Um, I don't know if we'll realize that. I feel like that's a very ambitious goal, but still 81% of all retail sales will go through stores. And lastly, you can see that um, cumulative US announced store closures and openings through July. You can see that the categories that have really been hit apparel, health and beauty, and home stores. Um, so, but we're seeing those rebound and that's very encouraging. So now let's get into really why we're here and that's talking about implementing a, an omni-channel strategy. Um, first, I'm gonna point out what the steps are and then I'm gonna show you a quick video, hopefully it'll work, um, of kind of a case study of Target and what omni-channel really means. So these six steps are what we've identified as the ways to implement an omni-channel strategy within your own business. And we're gonna go through each of these, but I'm gonna point these out first. First is to capture data, track conversions, and target messaging for multi-channel. And that can seem like a mouthful and kind of confusing, but we're gonna go through that. 
The second is the user experience and the customer ex experience are priority number one. Third, automate as much as you can to save your sanity. Fourth, omni-channel, different channels means different devices, including your feet. The fifth is allocate the resources and use helpful technology. And finally, conversion is only the first step. Now you must deliver. So let's take a look at um, a quick case study of how Target implements an omni-channel strategy. So that's a great example of really an omni-channel strategy, especially with the car seats, that promoting online via Facebook, social media, emails, um, it gets people to think, hey, well, if I can get 20% off, um, I've been needing a new car seat, now's the time to do it. And so really guiding the consumer and providing that top experience um, is, is top of mind. Another example, and this is a, a personal example, um, I travel a, a whole lot, and so obviously um, anything that's quick and convenient for me as it relates to my family is something that I'm definitely gonna be interested in. So Target, who I don't shop with all that often because we don't have a Target, um, I got an email that they were doing a discount on school supplies, and so I, took a look at it and thought, well, you know, a discount at Target is the same thing as a discount at Walmart. It's all cheap, you know, whatever. Um, but then when I clicked on it, I saw that Target had pulled in school supply lists from every school, even once in communities without a Target. And so I was able to find Suttoth Elementary, Henderson Ward Stewart, and clicked my kid's school. All of the needed school supplies went immediately into my cart with a small discount shipping was free 
and I didn't have to think about it. It was insane. And so not only did that get target my school supply business, which I almost always buy everything locally at Walmart, although it can be a nerve wracking process. I got everything I needed. It was placed in my cart. I didn't have to think about it. And the experience was so good that it built in brand loyalty. And that's something that I really want us to think about as we go through this omni-channel strategies is that not only are you just trying to get more sales, but brand loyalty really should be the ultimate goal. Because if your consumer can have a good experience with you, they're going to keep coming back. I've had good experiences with several of your businesses. And so anytime I see something on your social media or, um, you know, really, I don't get out and shop much and start all anymore just because of my schedule. And so I'm almost all online, but I sometimes will order online from you guys. But a lot of times I'll just pop into the store if I saw something that I really need or want. If I have a good experience, if it's quick, if it's convenient, and the, the customer service is good, I'm always gonna come back because my time is limited. I know I can get what I need from you and it'd be a good experience. So brand loyalty is something, especially through COVID, that Target has focused on significantly. Um, another is Trader Joe's. I don't know if you guys have been to a Trader Joe's kind of during COVID, um, but it's an excellent experience. Um, all of the queuing lines are um, laid out very easily to see. Um, you know where you're supposed to stand. You know what rows you're supposed to go in. They spray your hands themselves with hand sanitizer when you walk in. They spray you when you leave. It's just a very safe experience um, and it's very reassuring. So again, focus on brand loyalty. So the first step um, in creating an omnichannel strategy. And so um, I wish we could do a little brain break because I know we've been through a lot of stats, um, but this is really the meat of the webinar. It's a lot of text. Um, I'm going to send, if you guys stick with us through the webinar, I'll send you a PDF guide of these omni-channel strategies. So don't feel like you need to take notes or anything. Um, I'll send this out to you guys so that you can have it and kind of think about it more. Um, so the first step is capturing data, tracking conversions, and targeting messaging for multi-channel. This seems, I feel like, the most daunting to small businesses, but what I would encourage you to do is to lean on platforms that already exist. For example, your point of sale system. Really dig in and, and find out, talk to your customer service rep, ask them to come by and spend an hour with you and train you on all the things that it does. Because most of you are using a digital point of sale system, um, but if you're not, I would totally encourage you to do that. And for the primary purpose of tracking your consumers, where they live, what they buy, what their age is. So in these four points, you can see that, you know, your paid and email channels don't have to compete against each other for sales, customers, and attributions. You can grow your business by strategically integrating all of these channels. The key is identifying the right audience. Um, it's helpful to focus heavily on users who represent high revenue potential for your company. One audience integration profile is customers who have purchased a specific product. So think about what you typically sell. What is a kind of high priced item? Is it a specific brand? Is it a certain line? Is it an item? If you have 
2,000 people, which you might have 200 people who have purchased this specific product. You might have 10 people that have purchased this product. Build a lookalike from that and then remarket to them. So what we mean by that is build a profile around that product. So, um, you know, for example, LA Green, you have the Stony Clover line, which I think is so cute. Um, if you can find out through your point of sale, through your online orders, who is purchasing those? Is it college students? Is it moms and grandmoms who are buying things for their college student? What's the profile of that person? And then build a profile around them. You know, literally write down what their age is, geographically, where are they located? Are you getting the majority of those sales in Starkville or out of Starkville? And if it's out of Starkville, where is it? Is it the Delta? Is it Jackson? Is it Florida? Wherever it may be. And then create a marketing campaign to that specific profile for a different product, but that's also an equivalent price point. If you sell cosmetics and you have a brand new facial oil that came out and it's really high priced, but you feel like there's a lot of opportunity for sales, find a similar product, create, a lookalike around that similar product and remarket to those people. So really it's targeting. So this is what we mean by target messaging. Um, these people are going to be qualified. They're a qualified lead because they've already purchased something from you. And that specific product is going to push people, it's going to push towards finding other people who are going to also be interested in it. So expand your reach a little bit. So you're going to definitely find new people. If you realize that this facial oil is being purchased primarily from ladies that live in Starkville on South Montgomery Street. And you should be able to determine that based on your point of sale system if you have their address, which if not, I would highly encourage you to try to find it. Geofence that area. Okay, ladies on South Montgomery are really coming in here and buying this. Well, then do a specific Facebook campaign and you can specifically target South Montgomery Street from Courthouse Road to Highway 12 or whatever it may be. You can, you can geofence that area and you can specify 55 and up, women, you know, whatever. You can get super specific with Facebook advertising. Do a campaign to try to get new likes on your page. And then with all those new likes, retarget a new ad to them. So all of these things you can do for free in Facebook. It is a little cumbersome, but there are tutorials, there are videos that you can watch to really help you figure out targeting. Once those buyers experience what makes you special as a retail retailer, then repeat buyers will come directly to you for expanded inventory options and a customized buying experience. Just like what I was telling you about Target. I'm gonna keep going back because it was a great experience. It saved me time. The next step is that the user experience and customer experience are priority number one. So we've been talking about this, I feel like throughout the whole webinar, but I'm gonna keep harping on it. Omnichannel is not just having things work technically across channels, it's about providing an incredible experience across channels. Just because customers are functionally able to do what they need to do on your channels, doesn't mean that you're providing an amazing customer experience across channels. Make sure that you're emotionally connecting with customers at every opportunity. And the best way to do this is through video. Um, 
I know that video can seem daunting, but there are so many new tools out there, even with Instagram and the new reels uh, that are happening on Instagram that I know we're all seeing on our stories. It's a free way for you to provide video of yourself, your staff, your products. We want to get to know, as consumers, we want to get to know those of you that are in the store that we're going to see when we come into the store and shop. So if you're a clothing store and you run your own store, um, that's great. You're the face of that store. So do, do videos. Facebook Live was super hot. It's still a great way to get people's attention. Um, but there are definitely some quirks with it. It can get annoying. So if you go live, I would really encourage it to be for something special. It, or do you have a trunk show? Are you open after hours for Unwind Downtown? Are you doing a special sale on kayaks or Drake shirts or whatever it might be? Then go live. Hey guys, wanted to let you know we're we've got a great, you know, group of sales team that's in the store ready to help you with all your needs. We've got 20% off on kayaks. Come see us. This is only till Friday. That's a great way to go live. But the reels, Instagram stories are perfect for short videos to show content. And so we used to really talk about how important it was to have high quality photography. And I still think that it's important. I think anything you put out there needs to look good. But with an iPhone, you can take a terrific picture. But video is everything. And that's how you emotionally connect with your customers. They need to know the personality of your store. And they need to know the faces they're going to see when they go in there, especially in a small town. So regardless of the channel, customer experience has to be a top priority. You can have the best website or the fanciest retail location. But if the service is lacking, you will lose customers. Expectations are higher than ever, and modern consumers won't tolerate less than a stellar experience. COVID has only amplified this. We're really not even supposed to be out and about shopping. I guess we are. I don't know. The regulations change every day. I'm certainly not right now. Um, but if you are out, you know, you're you're constantly thinking of, okay, do I have to wear a mask? Where do I stand? This is a stressful experience. So customer service has to be top notch and also make content for buyers at all stages of the journey. Customers need this. One size fits all does not always work. Think about what materials you can deliver that will help nudge the shopper closer to the point of purchase through email, blog posts, case studies, etc. What we know through looking at consumer behavior studies is that it takes consumers a lot of different looks typically to buy something. And if a consumer goes into a store and purchases something, when they leave, if they get a follow-up email that shows some of the other merchandise that you have in the store, or if because that consumer walked into your store, if you use geofencing to retarget them for an ad on Facebook, the next day with something else that they might have been looking at, then they're going to spend even more. Some studies say one and a half times more online just from visiting your store and being retargeted. But you have to think that people are always in different phases of their sale. Some are just looking, some are planning, some people are impulse buyers. You know, for me, when I think about 
um, I'm thinking about right now, what kind of clothes do my kids need for the fall? What am I going to need for the fall for travel and this and that? So I'm looking at buying a, a high priced, you know, nice computer bag that I take with me. Well, that's not an impulse buy. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking. And when I see, you know, retargeting over and over again, I think, oh gosh, I keep seeing that. Maybe I need that. And so some of us think, oh, well, that's, you know, I don't have the means or the money to invest in that. Facebook will allow you to retarget. Instagram ads, which are somewhat tricky, allow you to retarget. So definitely look into these platforms, but ultimately the experience is everything. Automate to save your sanity. And this is something that I think small businesses really, really struggle with, and that is automation. It's something that I really didn't think much about until I started working for a larger firm where things really have to be automated in terms of processes. So what can you automate within your store, within your operation, so that you're not having to do everything? Some of you that run your own stores, I'm really speaking directly to you. You know, you can't do it all, but in order to grow your business, you're going to have to get out there a little bit more. So what can be automated? Keeping up with your social media, your website, and all these can be very, very automated. What can you delegate? And then what can you pre-plan? So for example, there are um, platforms, social media platforms, where you can pre-plan your social media posts and then fill in with your live content throughout. So what I would really encourage you guys to do, and I know some of you are already doing this, um, is what we used to do at the partnership, and that is sit down and literally spend an entire day blocking out all of your messaging. What are all your elements of getting the word out there? Is it an e-newsletter? Is it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Um, is it direct mail pieces? Is it, are you advertising in magazines? Are you advertising with other stores? So plan all of that out on a content calendar, literally. What are your campaigns gonna be? What are your trunk shows gonna be? What sales are coming down from the brands that you sell, that you wanna promote? Trying to really encourage you to be less reactive and more proactive. So planning out all of this, it will literally take an entire day, maybe two, and then start to create campaigns. Then start to build in these targeting campaigns. So like I was talking about, you know, the Stony Clover campaign. Where can you fit that in? Where do you need a, the biggest boost of sales? When looking at your sales traditionally, where do your sales sort of slump? Is it in June or July? Is it in November? Then do a specific campaign then. Always do campaigns around holidays. Um, you know, and, and many of you guys do a great job with that, but there's definitely, I think, areas to really, um, to look at your consumer behavior reports and, and do a little bit more. So automate those social media posts, go ahead and pre-plan your e-newsletters, and then fill in with live content as you go. Omnichannel, different channels mean different devices, and don't forget your feet as a device as well. So brands that succeed in omnichannel, don't just think about how to sell on different devices. Remember that model that we looked at at the beginning where we saw you know, the, the multi-channel where the store was just sending out information? But in omni-channel strategies, you're also thinking about how consumers use different devices and channels to inform a purchasing journey. You've got to work both off and online. And, and this is kind of talking about those campaigns that we discussed earlier. Check out the locations that you ship out to the most. 
and then experience with a pop-up shop at high foot traffic areas within those locations. I love seeing retail collaboration. So if you are a cosmetic store, you know, a lot of your inventory is portable. So where can you pop up? Is there a clothing store that you could partner with even here in Starkville on and do a, a ladies night out and do a, a kind of a trunk show? Um, could you partner with a shoe store or even a restaurant? I mean, like a little grab and go type thing, anything, a wine bar, for example, anything to really create an experience um, and cross promote your brands is a great way to get new sales. But thinking out of town, um, if you sell a lot of game day clothes to, you know, Cosiesco, for example, is there somewhere that you can pop up? Um, and again, bring your goods directly to the consumers. Remember that still over 75% of purchases are made physically in store. So don't discount a retail approach to complement your online approach, or you're going to risk alienating 75% of your potential revenue. So it's definitely got to be, um, a dual approach. Allocate the resources and use helpful technology. We've talked a little bit about some of these technological resources, but there are a lot of secondary channels that don't get the attention or resources that they deserve. Instead of viewing the landscape as your website and a Facebook page and a YouTube channel, think of it as having a primary website and multiple microsites. One thing, especially during COVID, um, that I think has become so apparent is that, you know, it's hard to keep up your ever-changing information. Your store hours are changing. You're responding to a pandemic, obviously. You can't just post it on Instagram and assume that everybody knows. You've got to put it on your website. You've got to go to your Google profile and change your COVID hours. If you change it again, that's fine. You can go back and change it again. But you can't just assume that, oh, well, it's on my Instagram profile, people know. Um, one experience that I had with a business that's no longer open here in Starkville, and it was, it just was infuriating. And I get it because I'm a mother with kids and, and life is busy, but I would see a note on a door. I would go to shop and purchase something. I needed something specific that I thought this store would have. And I would go and there would be a note that would say, sorry, closed early, you know, BRB. That does not work. Obviously, emergencies happen. And some of you that run your own stores, you have to close up for a weekend or you have to close up early. But it can't be flippant, first of all. And second of all, you've got to communicate it. So let that be part of your content calendar. Hey, guys, heads up. We're going to be closing for the weekend. Get all the things that you need before the weekend on Thursday or whatever it may be. Um, just over communicate and be sure that you're using these all these other social media sites as micro websites. Facebook has a great inventory of information that you can post in terms of your um, hours and your you know location, your website. So be sure to use those. The goal should be bringing as much of your brand experience to these micro sites. So again, it's not just about pushing information, it's about creating that experience. And so you do that with visuals, with photography, with videos, um, 
and you know bring that brand identity to all of these channels the goal should be bringing oh i just said that you can then engage with your customers in their world and still reinforce what makes your brand unique um, it may seem daunting but a lot of businesses spend too much time trying to generate this is a really important point that i want to kind of highlight a lot of businesses spend too much time trying to generate new ideas for each channel when they should instead take a single idea and translate it to as many different mediums and channels as possible. So for example, if you have a sale or you know whatever you have going on that you want to promote, you don't have to have a new concept on every single uh, social media site or every single channel, but it does need to look different. So you don't need to post something on Instagram and share it to Facebook and then consider it done. Can you have a live video on Facebook? Can you do an Instagram story? Can you do a blog post on your website? And can you do an e-newsletter where the content message is the same, but you've got different photographs and different videos portraying all this information? That's what creates a brand experience. It's not seeing the same content five times. It's seeing the same message five times but in different ways. Um, and think about the message that your packaging sends. This is something that is really important. The customer experience provided by the shipping services that you offer and make sure your customer success team has the resources to help customers at every step of fulfillment. You have such an opportunity when someone purchased something from you online via shipping to really take the packaging up a notch. Can you put a little um, a little handwritten note in there? Can you put a little postcard about an upcoming campaign that you have or an upcoming sale? Can you have a QR code that they can scan to finish out their profile for a 20% gift um, coupon? So all of these different things are ways to really enhance the experience. And the last thing that I'll say, and you guys have, I know we're right at, we're after 10 o'clock, so my apologies, but the last thing is to model after retail winners. I said this in the beginning, but find these retailers that you think do a great job. REI Co-op does a great job of omni-channel strategies. 75% of their customers visit their website or their mobile app to check out items before they make an in-store purchase. So they understand that mobile offers a great marketing opportunity. So they decided to equip their sales associates on the floor with mobile devices to help their customers with their purchasing decisions. And they provide free Wi-Fi in store so that they can help their customers while they shop. So again, it's just all about the experience. So that wraps it up. I apologize for going a couple minutes over. Um, some of you had some really great questions. Um, and I'll finish answering these. If you need to drop off, feel free. We have about four questions. Um, and so one of the questions was, do these charts include grocery stores? So what I'll say about grocery, um, because I know I had a couple of charts that reference grocery, is that grocery was off the chart in terms of gains through COVID. Um, they're still gaining. So people are still buying their, you know, the majority of their food products in grocery stores and picking them up, having them delivered or buying them in store. Um, restaurants and bars have started to see their retail sales increase. But what I'll say about that, about uh, restaurants going forward is that 
uh, drive-through pickup, curbside pickup has to be part of the narrative going forward. Um, it is here to stay. It's just like we said about Chipotle, how they've got their Chipotle. Panera Bread is the same. All of their new stores are going to have to have um, a pickup lane. It's just that they what they've determined. So for those of you that are downtown businesses, you know what I'd love to see are some walk-up windows. These can be built in. So if you have a, you know, for the Popporium, for example, I don't know, Rosa, if you can hear us. I know you said you couldn't at one point. Um, but if there's any way for you to build out a, a walk-up window where people walk up, pick up their popcorn from the window, um, and go on their way, have some outdoor seating like you have. You've got the piano right there. It's just a great way to, to create an excellent experience, but also it gives people the safety that they need, especially as it relates to food. Um, so one question is, as a small franchise, how would you help me find a new franchise location? First of all, I would try to develop a customer profile because assuming you're going to keep your same concept throughout all of your businesses and all of your new units, develop a customer profile. So understanding your customer first um, is the best way to determine where to go next. And then there are data and analytics out there. Sometimes they can be expensive. Um, our company is happy to help um, because Startable is a partner of ours. We can't give every business in Startable their own unique information. But if you know, you're a partner of the partnerships and they wanna ask us, you know, where are we seeing growth in the state or in the region in this age group with these types of profiles? We, we do something called psychographic analysis, where we can basically assign a stereotype, if you will, to individual communities. So if you tell us that you're looking for soccer moms, well, I can tell you that Crozet, Virginia is the mecca for soccer moms. So things like that, we can, we can, um, we can assign stereotypes to communities and find the stereotypes that you're looking for. Um, somebody else said, do you know of any companies that offer that service and i assume you're talking about data and analytics um we offer that service so um like i said we can help you with certain things data is very 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 expensive um we spend about four hundred thousand dollars a year on the data that we collect and the reason is because we are using the same data sources that kroger whole foods and taylor Trader Joe's, what Lululemon, we're using what they use. So if they want to determine, um, you know, where to go next, a lot of times they'll come to us and we'll help them with that. We'll bring them um, a municipal partner most of the time. We'll say, well, one of our client communities is Starkville, Mississippi, and they're going to be great for this. So we have a lot of that data. If you have specific questions, um, I would encourage you to either email me, um, my email is on this next slide, or reach out through Hunter and she can get in touch with me and we will help you as much as possible. Um, so we're definitely a resource. And oh, you're asking about companies that build walk-up windows. Um, yeah, email me after this uh, about the walk-up window concept. This is something that if we ever have the opportunity to work with Startable in terms of downtown strategies. Um, we do have that platform that, you know, 
we work with communities to really help them um, create specs like this. So, um, you know, if we have the opportunity to work for Startable, then we can we can design one for you. Um, but if not, I still want to be able to help you guys. So I can kind of point you in the right direction about walk up windows. I can send you a picture and kind of show you what they what they entail. Your store is perfect for that because you have a lot of space. So would love to see you do something like that and then also offer some type of beverage where people could just walk up, grab a popcorn and a coffee or a lemonade or whatever it is and be on their way. I think that'd be awesome. Um, any other questions that you guys have, please drop them here. I so appreciate you guys um, hanging on throughout the webinar. I know that you guys are busy running your stores and your stores are opening right now. So um, the last slide, which is right here, has my contact information at the bottom. Um, just want to thank the Greater Startable Development Partnership and Hunter for setting this up. Also want to thank um, the Startable Convention and Visitors Bureau, OCEDA, and the City of Startable because they are all um, partners of ours and, and we've had a long-standing partnership and we hope to continue that. Um, and just want to end on this note that local is everything in communities, you know, going back to those pictures, it's what makes the community memorable, it's what makes the community unique, and it's really what keeps a community on the map. And so we will continue to be available to provide resources to local businesses. I live right down the street in downtown Starkville, so um, it's in my best interest personally that our community continue to be vibrant and be a place that um, that we want to live. So thank you for all that you do to run wonderful businesses. Please reach out to me if you have any additional questions. Um, hopefully by the end of the day, I'll be able to send you guys a couple of resources that I mentioned. Definitely these steps to omni-channel retailing. Um, I'll put those in a PDF for you guys. I'll send out that infographic that I mentioned about Black Friday sales that might be interesting to you guys. Um, Hunter will have this webinar as a recording that she can send out as well. And then I will send out some information about downtown walk-up windows. But as always, um, Startville's my home. I love it here. I office out of here, so I'm here a lot. Um, so please use me as a resource. I'm here to help the partnership team as it relates to retail. Um, they're doing a terrific job and we're just a proud partner. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys for all that you do. And please reach out to me if you have any questions. Thanks so much. Have a great day.